Hi, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation focused on youth mental health. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know that all content that is found in our podcast is created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get started. Hi, my name is Sonia, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. Our topic for this interview with Sandy Hillhouse, a therapist, will be dialectal behavioral therapy, commonly addressed as DBT and we will be discussing how it plays a role in treating depression. For this interview, we will learn more about DBT in general and how it helps with depression. As we learned in the Dealing with Depression episodes, experiencing occasional sadness is a normal reaction to things going on in your life. However, sometimes this progresses to depressive disorders, which is when we need to take more action. Why? As stated by the Mayo Clinic, depression causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest in activities. It affects how you think, feel, and behave. They can cause emotional, functional, and physical problems. DBT is a type of therapy designed to treat mood disorders, which Sandy Hillhouse will tell us about in just a minute. Before that, however, Sandy, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Yes, thank you so much, Sonia, for having me here today. Um, I'm excited to participate. And uh, before I introduce myself, can I just say I love the name of your podcast, mindful, beautiful, and thrive. I mean, in DBT, we don't just try to help people, you know, feel better when they're feeling really bad. We actually try to help them build a life they love and one that they're really excited about. So I love the word thrive in the name of your podcast. Totally speaks to me. Um, So my name is Sandy Hillhouse and I'm a DBT therapist. I've been specializing in DBT for about 11 years. I work in a private practice. I started out seeing teens exclusively and then broadened it out to include young adults and adults. Uh, but I must say, I still have a soft spot for the teens. We see clients for all the components of DBT, individual, group, coaching, consultation team. And um, I have two wonderful therapists who work with me as well. So I'm really happy to be here today. That's incredible. I think it's great that you kind of like broadened your horizon to not just teens, but adults and young adults, because it just shows that you know, therapy is not just for teenagers and it's not just like a one size fits all thing. So I think that's awesome. And so a lot of our audience may not know what DBT, which we've already referenced quite a lot is. And obviously we could have provided a standard dictionary definition, but I believe that DBT is so much more than that. And it has a lot of intricate parts and details. So what is dialectal behavioral therapy and how does it work? So DBT is actually an adaptation of CBT. I think a lot of people don't know that, but it took some of the best parts of CBT and built on it with some ideas like when people come to therapy, they're really trying to balance accepting where they're at and the fact that they're doing the best they can with the need for change and the desire to do better. So we really try to balance those two things, acceptance and change and DBT. And also um, in this type of therapy, we're really trying to work with clients and help so they can get a better understanding of how their thoughts and feelings and behaviors work together. And there's a special focus in DBT on the emotional component. So DBT is particularly helpful for clients who experience really intense emotions and they would like to have some tools uh, to help make that less painful 
and to help them respond in ways that are healthier so that they don't have to resort to unhelpful or unhealthy ways of coping. So for example, you know, if someone is in a lot of emotional pain, they may have suicidal thoughts or they may engage in self-harm behaviors or perhaps disordered eating behavior or some other way to try to cope with the pain of the emotion. And so in DBT, what we're really trying to do is give them the skills. It's very much of a skills-based therapy so that people have options and other alternatives and they can respond in ways that are healthy and helpful. And that's really at the very core of DBT. That's why I love this type of therapy. I think it's really empowering. Instead of just hanging out and having to kind of wait out a big, tough emotion um, or sort of be held hostage by it, there's actually something that you can do to feel better. And so I think it's really practical and empowering. That's incredible. I'm glad that it's focused on kind of regulation of emotions rather than like flushing out the emotion entirely. And I think that's incredible. So um, my next question is, if you are treating a patient with a mood or depressive disorder, how would you apply DBT and how does it vary from patient to patient? Yeah, great question. So when somebody's feeling depressed, obviously there are a lot of tough emotions that come along with that, right? Feelings, maybe a lot of extreme sadness, perhaps, maybe feeling empty, maybe feeling worthless or hopeless. So DBT can help regulate those emotions. DBT can also help that client change behaviors that might be exacerbating the depression or engage in behaviors that might facilitate feeling a little bit better. So in addition to helping with those things, um, you know, you were kind of saying, how would it be uh, help or how would it be different from person to person? The treatment itself, like the process and the tools would be the same, whether you were treating somebody with depression or some other disorder, because the first step would be to get to know the client and find out what's going on for them and what their goals are, what they really want. And then we would translate those goals into really specific targets that we work on in the therapy. When we identify the target the client wants to work on, there are several tools and techniques in DBT that help us stay on track in terms of working on those. For example, the goals get written down on this, this thing called a diary card. And it's basically just a one sheet thing that allows clients to track how they're doing through the week, both in terms of how they're feeling, thoughts, behaviors. And we can see how they did on some of those target areas they're trying to work on. We also have a thing called a chain analysis, which doesn't sound very exciting, but it's actually a pretty cool tool because let's say when you feel sad, it makes you want to isolate, but let's say that's not the greatest thing for your depression. So isolation becomes like a goal that you want to work on and you want to do less of that. So when you actually do isolate, we would use a chain analysis to talk about in that one specific instance, what was really going on for you? Like what happened before leading up to that? What were some of the prompts or triggers? And then after you isolated, what happened? Was it helpful or did it create any other hard emotions? And what we're really doing is kind of reverse engineering the situation as a way to really understand what went down and to try to help you figure out how you could maybe use some DBT strategies or certain skills at various points in that process in order to get the outcome you want, which is to isolate less. So that's just one example of how it can be used in depression and how we, how we structure it over it all with a client, regardless of what their issue is. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm really glad that you can help people with things that can really negatively impact their lives. And I'm also really glad that you gave that example of like the whole chain analysis thing, right? I think that makes a lot of sense because it's a very logical flow of things that can be so emotional. And I think that really 
encapsulates DBT as a whole, just in that one kind of trick? I think you just hit the nail on the head exactly. That is the cool thing. It's like bringing this sort of reasonable mind to a highly emotional situation, which is hard. But when you do, you actually then are able to just have the emotion instead of it having you, which is a lot more comfortable and tends to work a lot better. So you totally got the essence of DBT right there. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, now that we've kind of learned about DBT and how it's used for depression, I also wanted to ask if it's used for other mood disorders. And even though our main focus obviously will be depression, my question is what else can DBT be used for? Yeah, great question. So DBT was originally developed by Dr. Marsha Linehan over 30 years ago to treat a condition called borderline personality disorder. And at the time, it was a very difficult order to treat and certainly a very painful one for clients. A lot of suicidality, a lot of self-harm, and DBT was found to be really effective. So when that happened, it caused a lot of people to go, wait, wow, if it was that powerful in that situation, what other things could it help with? And so there's just been tons and tons of research done on DBT. It's a very evidence-based therapy right now. And it's been shown to be effective for some other issues that people might be struggling with. Um, this is not an exhaustive list, but things like depression that we talked about, as well as anxiety, eating disorders, particularly bulimia and binge eating disorder, and also ADHD and PTSD and a host of others. And one thing that you might notice is that underlying all these different challenges or issues is the ability to regulate emotion. There are a lot of strong emotions going on with all of those. So it can be helpful with all of that. And I think one interesting thing to note is oh, DBT is pretty powerful too when a client is working on more than one issue. Maybe they are suffering from depression and also have ADHD, for example. I think DBT is helpful and powerful because it's very collaborative, meaning the therapist and the client are equal. And they really both kind of roll up their sleeves and sort of try to figure out what's going on. And I think that's very powerful. It's also a little bit more of an intensive therapy in that clients have three contact points in DBT per week. They meet with their DBT therapist for individual therapy once per week. And they also go to a DBT skills group where they're learning a whole bunch of strategies and coping skills. And then the third piece is called skills coaching. And you know, it's not just that you have your therapist's phone number. It's like you're encouraged to use it. Let's say you're having a tough time during the week and you want a little help of what skills to use or you're trying some and it's not working and you want some assistance. You can call or text your therapist anytime if they're a DBT therapist and they'll help you with some coaching. And if you think about it, let's say you played soccer and you didn't really get any coaching until the next week, it wouldn't do you much good. But if you got sideline coaching real time, you could put it into practice right in that moment. And that's where the real learning occurs. So DBT therapists are very accessible to their clients. And I think that that is part of why DBT is helpful and can be helpful with so many of the disorders that you ask about. Yeah, I like how accessible it is and how like diverse it is and the things that it can treat. Because, you know, on the outside, things like anxiety and depression seem super different, but, you know, they can be treated the same way with that regulation because they're both strong emotions. And I think that's really great. And so then I guess my next question would be, how many sessions does a teenager in particular need to attend to notice a significant difference in their depression or anxiety? Great question. So this is gonna sound maybe sort of strange, but when somebody decides to do DBT, it's a big commitment, you know, because of all those contact points I talked about. 
And so from the time they learn about it, if they actually decide to go forward and do a program, often they have a little bit of hope, like more hope in that moment than they've had in a long time. So actually you can start getting the benefits kind of when you decide to do it. But then after that, it's like you can start using the skills as you learn them week by week by week. So you can get some benefit from the beginning. That said, because it's a skills-based therapy though, it's a little bit like playing the piano. It takes some time. You know, you start with the skills and then maybe you can play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and then you go from there, right? So the real power of DBT is when clients get into it far enough and they've learned enough skills and strategies that they get better at picking the exact one to use in the moment. And they also get really good at combining them into really powerful combinations. And that happens as they go through the program. The minimum commitment in DBT, depending on the program, is about five or six months. But many people choose to repeat the group and stay in individual therapy for longer than that if they're continuing to get value and really being able to take their understanding of DBT and the skills to a new level. And that happens quite often. Yeah, that's great. And I'm also very glad that you talked about um, skills and tricks and combining them because that is actually my next question. And I was wondering if you could maybe teach us as well as our listeners some of the skills and tricks learned in DBT. I would love to. I love to talk about these skills. Um, so one of the skills that I'd love to highlight is called check the facts. And um, I like to call it the suffer less skill because the more you use the skill, honestly, you suffer less. I mean, I use it. My clients use it. It's a skill for when something happens and you get upset, the skill in is comprised of six questions that you ask yourself about the situation. And these six questions help you test whether the emotion that you're feeling is actually fitting the facts of what's occurring, or if it's fitting the story you've made up in your head. And that might not actually be occurring yet, because it's all about how we interpret it, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say like, I'm your age, and we meet at some class or whatever, and we have a chat, and it's fun, and you say you'll text me. And then let's say you don't text me. So the thing is, what am I going to make that mean? How am I going to interpret that? And that's one of the questions. Here's the six questions. What happened? Okay, you didn't text me. What was my emotion? Let's say it was disappointment. What did I make it mean that you didn't text me? How did I interpret it? And particularly if I'm depressed, I might be likely to have a more negative interpretation, right? And even if I'm not depressed, I might be more likely to have a negative interpretation because that's just a nasty little trick our brain likes to play on us. So let's say I make it mean that you didn't like me. Next question I ask is, well, what's the threat? Well, it'd make me sad if you didn't like me because I want you to like me, right? And then we actually ask ourselves, believe it or not, what's the worst case scenario? Now, why would we ask that and how would that make us feel better? It's because often our brain has already gone all the way down the path to the worst case scenario before it's ever even happened. And that's what our emotion is responding to. So it's really good to ask yourself, what am I imagining as the worst case? And then you can say, hey, how likely is it that that will happen? And very often the likelihood is really, really low, as you can imagine. And so then we can say to ourselves, oh, okay, I'm just going to manage my emotion. And if it is a high likelihood that the thing will happen, we can problem solve and figure out what to do. But often it's a low probability. And even if we said, if it did happen, could I cope with it? The answer is usually yes, I would be able to cope with it. So kind of walking yourself through that process of asking the six questions allows you to say, did my emotion fit the facts? Well, in this case, sure, my disappointment fit, but let's say it was an eight out of 10. That probably doesn't fit. It's probably maybe more like a three or four now after I've gone through this process. So you can probably see how that would be less painful and I'd be suffering a little bit less at that point. And I wouldn't be getting overly upset about things that haven't happened yet or things that I don't know yet. 
That one's called check the facts. I like that one. That is a very helpful trick. And um, once again, I liked how you talked about not completely flushing the emotion away, but having a more logical approach to an intense emotion, which is once again, what DBT is all about. So thank you so much for being part of this interview. I will gained a wealth of knowledge that I didn't know before. And so here is a quick wrap for our listeners on today's interview. DBT is a logical approach to emotions from what I've learned. And it helps depression in so many different ways by helping us regulate it and decrease depression. And it can also help other mental health conditions such as borderline personality disorder, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, and different eating disorders in so many different ways as well. And so thank you, Sandy, and thank you to our listeners. This is Sonia, and you're listening to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. You are listening to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation. As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every weekend, so make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.